Time is running out. The Sustainable Hour. For a green, clean, sustainable Geelong. The Sustainable Hour. We acknowledge the land on which we now stand has always been one of our own country. We pay our respect to elders past, those present and those of the future. We acknowledge the land on which we now stand has always been one of our own country. We pay our respect to elders past, those present and those of the future. For thousands and thousands of years, First Nations peoples cared for our country. We pay our respect to the oldest continuous living culture in the world. We acknowledge the land on which we now stand has always been one of our own country. We pay our respect to elders past, those present and those of the future. We acknowledge the land on which we now stand will always be one of our own country. Well, uh, such a contrast to our normal start from the sustainable hour. Geelong Climate Choir, and today we're fortunate to have Jenny Hurley on from the choir. So welcome, Jenny. It was a really pleasant way to start the show today. Tell us a little bit about your involvement with the choir and why you, you got in, chose to get involved. Thanks, Tony, and um, thanks so much for the opportunity to be on the show today. We've really been looking forward to to doing this, and unfortunately our um, Music director Genevieve Newton was unable to come on today. She's just got a new job, so I'm here to represent the choir. Um, and most of the other choir are actually at a protest today, but I um, won't say too much about that. <laughs> um, I got involved in the choir because I wanted to do something positive. You know, so much is bleak about climate change and um, environmental degradation, so I wanted to do something positive that made me feel good. So I, I joined the Climate Choir probably just before we went into lockdown. <laughs> so that's been really difficult as well. But um, Genevieve Newton, the music director, she um, was in London when the Worldwide Extinction Rebellion protests were on in 2019. And she remembers being in the centre of London and um, just hearing this beautiful um, choir uh, singing. And they were singing a song called Unto This Land. And that's one of our um, other songs that we sing, which I think you might have a recording of to play a bit later on in the hour, I hope. Um, yes. Yeah, so, we're, look, we're all from a, a wide range of backgrounds. Um, Sarah Hathaway from Extinction Rebellion Geelong was really involved in getting it um, off the ground together with Genevieve Newton. And we um, rehearse once a week. Um, we've been rehearsing at Trades Hall in Geelong, which has been fantastic only place you can rehearse anywhere for free in Geelong and they're really good to us. What I found excellent is this thing about finding something positive to do about climate because we all know the climate situation we're in is pretty bad. The science is telling us things are bad and it's only going to get worse unless a hell of a lot of us get together very quickly soon and begin to find our roles and each communicate to each other how we act on this. And you found there another way of of expressing that and uh, also to bring people together around something, something innocent in a way, such as singing. Yeah, it's it's just a it's a great way of connecting. Um, and we, we tend to be performing um, outside as well. Um, we performed outside the library when um, Viva Energy was holding a meeting there about the floating gas terminal. Um, we wanted to make sure we we let Geelong know that we thought that wasn't good. So that was a, gr a great way of um, being there outside the library and just connecting with the Geelong community. That's excellent, Jenny. Um, but I, look, from a critical point of view, you seem to be very high on sopranos and altos and not too many basses and baritones. Could I ask what the makeup of the choir is? How many members have you got? I think we've got 
about 12 at the moment. Right. And how many females? Mostly female. We've got right. a couple of males and you, we're always you, looking for more if you're volunteering, that's, Colin. That's <laughs> what I was going to say. If you're looking for more males, whereabouts can they contact you? Through our Facebook page is probably the best. Geelong Climate Choir, we're on Facebook. You can send us a message um, or uh, Geelong Climate Choir at gmail.com. You can email us as well, but probably through Facebook is the best. And we can let you know about our rehearsals, which are once a week during the school term. Um, We're very family friendly, so we don't meet during school holidays, but we rehearse once a week, um, usually in the evening. It has been Monday evenings, but um, since our music director, Genevieve, um, has got a new job, we're switching that to probably Thursday nights. We should uh, hear another song, Jenny. Will you introduce it? And then it's over to you, Colin, because uh, I'm also eager to hear what's been happening around the world. Great. Thanks, Mick. Um, I'd like to introduce Unto This Land by Helen Yeomans. Unto this land, my heart I was the Geelong Climate Choir, which meets weekly in Geelong and will from now on be adding a musical spiritual note to protests around our region. Yeah, we're really lucky to um, have Joel Lane come in, um, who's a student um, studying sound engineering and record that for us last week, the entire choir. From... Locally, Geelong, it's now time for the Global Roundup, and it begins with um, quite a significant event that happened last week, which was uh, an election here in Australia, which was won by Anthony Albanese uh, for the Labour Party, which is going to be now forming a new government. Now, Anthony Albanese has been congratulated by leaders from all around the world, and he's put them online. And many of them are really quite pointed when it comes to climate change. It begins, if I can, uh, with Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, who texted, I'm looking forward to building on that with you, moving forward with progressive ideas, tackling climate change and delivering results for people in both our countries. Nick Bridge, who is the UN Special Representative for Climate Change, 
he was a little bit more pointed. He tweeted that after he congratulated Anthony Albanese, that it is vital for the world's security, especially poorer, more vulnerable people, that we dramatically accelerate decarbonisation. The Fijian Prime Minister, Frank Banimarara, wrote, Congratulations, Ante Albo MP, of your many promises to support the Pacific, none is more welcome than your plan to put the climate first. People's shared futures depend on it. And the leading climate scientist, Professor Michael Mann, simply messaged, welcome back to the bracket climate bracket fight, mates. Uh, of the many messages from the South Pacific, perhaps the best is summed up by former Kiribati leader Anton Tong. He's now a key voice in global climate diplomacy. He said that he welcomed Labour's victory and Albanese's offer to host the next COP meeting uh, with its Pacific neighbours. But he warned such an effort should not be allowed to become an exercise in greenwashing. It is no secret that I have been disappointed with the attitudes of the previous Australian government towards the Pacific on a number of fronts, including climate change, he wrote. My hope is that we will see stronger and more urgent climate action from the incoming government, including a more ambitious emissions reduction target, ramped up support for climate vulnerable communities in the Pacific, and most importantly, a commitment to no new coal and gas projects in Australia. And you can't be more pointed than that in your um, welcoming uh, to Anthony Albanese. It's laid out very firmly that the world expects him to take stronger action than the one that he went into the election with. Now, while we're in the South Pacific, uh, a new agreement was signed at the weekend between New Zealand's Jacinda Ardern and California's Governor Gavin Newsom. It's a pledge to fight climate change by sharing ideas and best practices, including how to speed up the introduction of electric vehicles coming from California to New Zealand. Now, uh, what is significant here is the weight. It might seem a bit unbalanced that a prime minister might be talking to a governor. But uh, if you take California out of the United States and look at its economy on its own, it would come in third place in the world behind the United States and China. So they're heavy hitters, California. And in compared to that, New Zealand is relatively small with its 5 million population. So uh, I can see a time now when New Zealand is going to be pulling away from us because it's been going to be calling on Californian expertise. And it's something that's well worth keeping an eye on, and I'll be keeping you up with it. Now to Finland, where the parliament has just approved a new climate change act. That means that the nation's targets to be carbon neutral by 2035 and carbon negative by 2040 are now legally binding. They've got the law, the, um, the government law behind them. And those targets are tough, but they're based on analysis by the Climate Change Panel on Finland's fair share of the global carbon budget for, for 1.5 degrees. Something like that from our new government would be really welcomed, certainly by South Pacific nations. Now to the Middle East, where a massive sandstorm has blanketed much of Iraq, Syria and Iran, sending people to hospital and disrupting flights. You haven't seen this on our mainstream media because we don't care about the Middle East at all, and they make it pretty obvious. Uh, but it, it was the latest in a series of unprecedented back-to-back -back sandstorms this year, that have bewildered the residents and scientists and raised alarm among experts and officials. They blame climate change and poor government regulations for it. From Riyadh to Tehran, they've suffered days of bright orange skies and a thick veil of grit. They note that sandstorms are typical in late spring and summer, spurred by seasonal winds, but this year they sprung up nearly every week since March. It's a region-wide issue, 
But each country has a different degree of vulnerability and weaknesses, said Jafar Jothari. He's a geo-archaeologist in the Baghdad University. He noted that severe sandstorms had also blanketed parts of Iran, Kuwait, and Saudi Arabia just in the last month of May. Now, globally, as countries battle more intense and frequent fires in a changing climate, a new language and vocabulary is being introduced. Behind it is the media's use of terms such as megafire. You know that they use that especially in California and in, in Australia. So now a team of Australian and American researchers has collaborated with fire scientists around the globe, and they suggest it should only refer to blazes that burn for more than 10,000 hectares of land. In a related paper that was, came out last week, the lead author, Grant Lindley of Charleston University, went further, stating that new terms should be introduced for even bigger fires. Digger fire would be used when more than 100,000 hectares are burned by a single fire and when several fires join up and a terror fire would cover a million hectares. And the point that they're bringing this out now means that they're really expecting this to happen in the future. We're living through climate change now and even the terminology is changing. And finally, on a brighter note, an energy company in the UK is offering to pay apprentices while giving them the opportunity to earn a degree in software design, provided that their aim is to develop ways to tackle the climate crisis. The company is called OVO Energy, OVO, and its partner is called Makers, who are experts in apprenticeship programs, and they're recruiting young people around the world to earn and learn scheme, which they will begin in July 2022. Now, if you're interested, you can find details online. And what happens is basically, if you're a student, they will pay you to learn how to construct software, which will help the climate. Uh, only uh, a certain number are available. And you can find out at media at ovo.com. OVO is all in capitals. The rest is in lowercase. And that is my roundup for the week. Listen to our sustainable hour for the future. Thanks very much for that, Collins. To take us to the next part, we're going to use art to disrupt. And Whoa. we've got Matt Bray and Andrew Vivenko on to tell us about that. So, Matt and Andrew, welcome to the Sustainable Hour and you're, you're on episode number 414. And, uh, yeah, so we, we heard that you've got a exhibition in Melbourne at the moment, so we thought we'd get you on to, to have a chat about that to us and, and about your stories as well. Thank you. Back in 2019, and we kind of have had the same genesis as Jenny, I think, the... Extinction Rebellion were making a lot of noise at that time. Uh, uh, Greta Thunberg was, you know, leading all of the headlines and that made me, inspired me to think I need to operate in this space. We both have um, about 15 years in the advertising industry, uh, so 30 years total experience, and we felt that our voice could be better used on the other side of the, the conversation with those that are fighting for, for the climate. Uh, so we started our, our journey in, in finding our voice. Uh, and a good quote to encapsulate what we're about is, is a David Attenborough quote, which is, saving our planet is now a communications challenge. All of the solutions to the climate crisis are well documented by scientists and everything like that, but the the way it's communicated and the, the overly weighted conversation that the fossil fuel industry has basically buries the, the solutions we have. So we looked at our skills and how we could make some impact with very few resources, really. And one way is to celebrate art that really connects people, art and music, uh, artistic people that are passionate about planet and environment, 
how they can take a complicated conversation and dilute it down to something that will really connect to somebody uh, to spark some some kind of connection and and yearning to actually adjust the way they live uh, is what we celebrate. So we've been doing a few things over the last few years. And at the moment, we have had our first crack at hosting an environmental art exhibition in Melbourne at Artful Yoga Gallery in St Kilda in Melbourne, just to start exploring ways that we can really start taking what we've learned in, in this journey and reaching people in the community. The community is pretty numb to the challenges uh, because it's quite overwhelming, to be honest. The, the climate crisis can be something you'd rather bury in the back of your mind than address head on, and we want to try and change that conversation. Well, that's lovely, Matt, um, but we are an audible podcast. You and I are on Zoom, and I can see in the background that you are actually in the gallery could you take us on, um, what should we say, a virtual tour and tell us what we could expect to see if we come to the, uh, what is it, the Artful Yoga Gallery in St Kilda? Uh, very good point, Colin. Uh, and so basically the exhibition we are hosting at the moment is called the Lovers and Fighters Exhibition. Basically it's a collision of the love of the planet and a world on fire because there's two parts of this conversation is that we need to reconnect to to our environment and to appreciate nature. So uh, half of the, of the work is about highlighting endangered birds and other animals that are under stress because their environment is being felled, you know, clear clear cut for industry. And just the appreciation of nature. So some very some we've got works that's created out of discarded waste on the beach, like plastic waste, and they turn it into something beautiful to really demonstrate that this the stuff that we're just dumping into this onto our planet, um, we need to be more mindful of what of our input into that. And then the other side of it, the, the fighters side of it, and which is w- more where I operate, is where we're trying to support activism and protests and trying to bridge advertising and act- activism, where they inter- interconnect so that there's some important messengers we can share through their art form. We have pieces by... Um, basically subvertisers and and subvertising is the art of taking a ad you'd see out on a bus shelter for example and breaking into that ad shell putting up art that actually parodies their artwork to communicate the real message behind the art the latest example we have is a piece by a guy i work with he lives in thailand he created this piece that attacked barclays bank Basically, his artwork was put up in Manchester last month during their AGM to highlight the damage that Barclays' uh, fossil fuel investment is doing to the planet. So it's those kinds of interesting uh, ways to communicate the crisis that you'll get to experience as well at the gallery. I like that too, Matt. That's got sort of overtones of the Butter Up campaign where... uh, Doctors, I think it was, um, painted over cigarette advertisements in the 1980s. Now, you're the fighter. I'm assuming that, Andrew, you, you must be the lover, and I can't wait to hear what you've got to say. Well, as Matt Bray mentioned, um, we started kind of together. So we used to work for the same advertising agency. And just from our general conversation, we found that we have common concerns and, uh, yes, common things bother us in this world. And that's how, I guess, our project has started. And that's how how it grew into what we call Artistrap, which is, uh, I guess, the umbrella of our activities, what we do. But I have a creative outlet as well. So I am a photographer, not a professional one, just a bit of a, I guess, hobby to keep me on the side because in the day job, I do a lot of 
things with technology. So my job title officially is a creative technologist. So I kind of play around with digital medium, but my creative outlet is old school analog photography. And uh, when the COVID struck, I started just a family, little family project documenting, I guess, our daily walks with my four-year-old daughter at the time and just taking pictures of her on how, I guess, child's imagination can uh, transform your mundane world into something a little bit more special. And uh, as part of our explorations, I guess, as every new parent, having a concern for our planet and for the future of our children on my on our mind uh it's the very big thing that i pretty much i think concerns everyone you cannot really not think about it whatever walk of life you're coming from and i think this being very prominent theme and my concern it really found its way into the images that we've captured as part of that creative project and uh this project became it gained a bit of a coverage on the news i guess and in in a bit of a media worldwide and a lot of people connected to it and even though i didn't really say uh specifically in words what was my concern and what was i guess the reasoning behind those images a lot of people just deciphered it from the images themselves and they really felt and uh, that thought really translated purely through the images i think it for me, it really highlighted the power of the art as a communication medium. You don't really have to put it in words. You don't really have to spill it out. You can convey feelings. You can convey something on a lot more, I guess, base level to the people on a different level. And I think it's a beautiful medium to try and translate things that concern all of us on a level where you don't feel like you're convincing anyone. You just share your feeling. And that's, that's kind of, I think, what the power of the art is. Well, that's lovely. I've got three things now that's come out of that that I'd like to talk to you about. And then I'll hand over and let other people come up with some comments. But the, the first one I want to know, do you go with Matt when he goes on his um, changing advertisements things? Uh, number two, can you give us, or our listeners, the address of the gallery and the times that it's open? And number three, do you need a climate choir to come along and sing to the people who are at your gallery? Well, that was a question I was actually going to raise with Jenny, <laughs> is whether she wanted, with her choir, wanted to have a little road trip up to St Kilda and come and hang out in a environmental art exhibition and and have their choir perform with open door absolutely to spread that voice up to to a, you know outfit in, in melbourne proper absolutely um, matt i can tell you we're very cheap <laughs> <laughs> outstanding well there we've got lots of cups of tea and arnott's assorted creams Ooh. so uh well that's the best offer we've ever had <laughs> Outstanding. Um, so for the details of the exhibition, we're running until June 17th. Oh, just uh, two weeks. Yeah, so about two and a half weeks left. Um, the address, it's Artful Yoga Gallery. They're on 1 Vale Street in St Kilda. Uh, the, the hours can vary Basic weekend hours are midday till 4 on Saturdays and 1 p.m. till 5 p.m. on Sundays. And during the week, the standard hours are 11 till 5. But they can vary, so we do post the uh, hours on the Artful Yoga Gallery site and my Instagram as well, which is art.disrupt. And as for your first question, um, I have... Well, I, I don't know whether I'll confirm or deny whether I've been involved in any illegal activities replacing <laughs> uh, adverts, but we are supportive of that community. And yes, the Bugger Up uh, camp group was highlight, highlighted to me recently. And yeah, it, it's 
basically we, we do need to take back the streets. Uh, we are told a lot of, we're advertised a lot of things that we do not need and are, are damaging our planet. So when we can use the tools like subvertising to interrupt that conversation, uh, I'm all for it, definitely. I don't know if it's it's still accurate, but uh, not all that long ago, the biggest industry in the world was armaments. The second biggest industry in the world was PR. And yeah, they're very. You talk. You mentioned the connection between um, advertising and cigarettes, and now we've got exactly the same with advertising and fossil fuels and lots of other things that are harming the planet and us with it. So it's, yeah, you're on the back, you're standing on the shoulders of of, uh, lots of great people that have done that uh, in the past. Matt? Uh, Yeah, so that that kind of does segue into uh, another organisation I'm I'm part of, Comms Declare. I met uh, one of the founders of Comms Declare at the Emergency Climate Summit that was in February 2020, I believe, mm. basically as a response to the Black Summer bushfires. It was another, like one of the events that really grounded my commitment to this cause, uh, just seeing the devastation that Australia faced during the Black Summer bushfires. And I managed to meet Belinda Noble. She's the uh, one of the co-founders of Com- Comms Declare. And I've been supportive of her organisation ever, ever since. And now I'm the creative director of Comms Declare. Our purpose is to get some accountability in the advertising industry and we should be treating fossil fuels like tobacco, exactly that. Um, we have been trying to have conversations with with that, the industry, uh, but when there is hundreds of millions of dollars involved in that industry, you don't get to open a lot of doors with your idealistic views that, you know, maybe we should not mislead the public. Well, so, well we're making lots of money, so we, we kind of will continue to do that. Yeah. Yeah. We had a feature a couple of weeks ago on the World Roundup, Matt, that ExxonMobil in America was actually in conference with the scientists who backed big tobacco 
the two lots are getting together and they're, um, the greenwashing that we're seeing is backed by the same science as the tobacco companies used in the 1970s and 80s. Absolutely. Uh, there's a lot of evidence, and you don't have to dig too deep now. The evidence is, is shared pretty widely that there's very clever people that are, are behind that, those messages and basically have been you know, playing their part, a big part in, in the, the devastation that is the climate crisis because they're working for the people that want people to think that fossil fuels are necessary to sustain the economy mm. or life and that we, you know, if, if you just read a little, you'll see that it's absolutely incorrect and has been uh, the advertising industry has been part and parcel with, with that messaging. So our new tactic, uh, since we have had some pretty, we're, we're starting to be quite well known uh, in the industry uh, but also ones that, you know, big agencies want to ignore. So we're launching a campaign soon to using another tactic to where we're going to try and get fossil fuel advertising banned uh, in councils, first councils, and, and then try and go broader to countrywide level uh, to allow fossil fuel advertising or sponsorship on their pop- property, you know. So remove that 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 medium that they use so well to say that their fuels are necessary, fossil fuels are necessary, or we're going to try and remove that and get it treated like tobacco advertising. Probably more significant would be to to get the fossil fuel industry to stop donating to political parties. Yes. uh, I think there's a lot of ways to, to address these issues and legislation is going to be one as, as well. Uh, we're just trying to find the ways where we can have the most impact with the resources we have available. Because if, if you're trying to change uh, legislation or the rules around things, you need a bit of you know support behind you. But we have had funding for this campaign. So we're, we're picking the battles we know that we can have success in. And the th- thing about all that, Matt, is that there are, groups that are working on different aspects all over the place. In the past, we haven't connected with each other, but that's happening all the time now. People are realising that, you know, the, the, we all share the atmosphere, so let's protect it together in our different ways. And, yeah, there are so many different things, and I think that's going to empower individual groups as well because when they realise that they're not the only ones, they'll say, We'll focus on this, like you've just said, and it's really good that you're doing this uh, down the road or somewhere else. And councils, like the climate emergency declaration, started in Melbourne, and I, I guess they'll be the you'll be there'll be some of the councils that you'll be approaching first. That's Wonderful. exciting. Just a personal little note here: uh, we're quite used to my awful English accent and mixed Danish accent. We know that Matt has a Kiwi accent. It's Andrew. We don't know where you're from, Andrew. Where are you from originally? I'm from Ukraine, which is on the news. That's what I thought. I I thought it's a little bit like having Vladimir on. I'm thinking that's the same accent, but I didn't want to sort of say, are you from Ukraine? How are you feeling about what's happening now? Uh whole range of emotions. I don't think that you can describe it as just one feeling. I'm very proud for my country putting up a good fight against much bigger adversary, I'd say. But also I'm devastated for people of my country who are suffering for no reason at all. There's no any logical or any sense what's happening. So that's, that's the mix of my emotions between these two. We've had it on the on the sustainable hour in the past, um, in the recent past, since the uh, Putin's action, that surprisingly, the Russians walking into the Ukraine has had the effect of galvanizing the European community into fast tracking their climate action because they don't want Russian oil or gas anymore. Uh, so in, in some ways... This dreadful action that's going on in Europe 
is actually helping the planet. It's a ridiculous thing to say, but it's um, when they look back in time, historians are looking back at the early 21st century, they'll say that what pushed, certainly pushed Europe into adopting clean energy was that action in the Ukraine. You're, you're right. I think silver linings are, are those things that are important for us to focus about and find positives in the bad situation. Yeah. And I think that's a power of any, I guess, big disaster because if big disaster happens, some people rally up and they try to make good out of it and they try to show their best qualities and characteristics as we saw in what happened in Europe. And I think it's part um, to, I guess, Ukrainian people being very vocal about what's happening so that the country didn't fall in three days as they expected at first. And they really put out good messages for everyone to see and they created this cause, very visible cause, for uh, countries in Europe to unite around it. So I think it's a twofold thing. It comes down to communication. Uh, Ukrainians were very good at communicating what was really happening on the ground. They didn't let it just go and fly under the radar, and they made this very strong case for European countries to say, no, it's not... Uh, yes, it's not uh, our moral right to continue pay for the deaths of people. And they gave uh, a push. That really good communicator is your president who has stood up and uh, become the world leader of the, of, of the moment. And keeping to today's program's theme, he comes from the art industry. He's an actor and writer and comedian. Uh, and to think that, yeah, this person is having all of this effect. It, sh it should hearten every one of us. And what, what strikes me about him, Colin, just to continue, is how candid he is with mm -hmm. what he says. He's not got that airbrushed politician's manner. Yep. He's very candid. Yeah. Yes, he comes from humble beginnings as well. And I uh, guess it, it does show, but uh, it also shows that people do need a galvanizing story to really get along with and change what's convenient for them and sacrifice something. And I think that really showed that people in Europe, they are okay paying more for fuel and gas now because they know that otherwise they would be paying blood money for suffering of people, innocent people. And I think if we get similar, I guess, messages, stories across around the climate change, um, a real change could happen. But we need to get out of our comfort zone and realize that otherwise the price will be much steeper for everyone. My mother said to me, only take what you need. Eat, sleep, dream, repeat. Eat, sleep, dream, repeat. My mother said to me, only take what you need. Eat, sleep, dream, repeat. Eat, sleep, dream. Ain't always one of them kids that never listen. Had a mother trying to share that elder wisdom. But I was busy planning schemes, trying to shake the vision. Chasing status, all that mattered was a high position. Being a man, I had a plan to reach the top. Swinging from the jungle gyms in the pot. Mother said, watch your predators in the dark. Make decisions with your head, but don't forget your heart. But I'm not praising my darling, bring that cash to me. I'm just another trying to make a nice salary. Say, mama, that's quite a view, but it ain't for me. Eat it out, count me in like a calorie. I've been conditioned to always make some cash off it. For them fat pockets, be overweight with a mad profits. It's catastrophic, cause now I'm killing off the competition. And we're like animals facing extinction. Wish I listened counting to my friends mother. like counting stars. Counting miles on fancy cars. You know I think I broke her heart. Lord knows I didn't wanna. I wish I listened to my mother. Ain't got no excuse. Ain't you read the morning news? Guess she's done with her abuse. Lord knows she's a yana. I wish I'd listen to my mother. My mother said to me, only take what you need. Eat, sleep, dream, repeat. Eat, sleep, dream, repeat. My mother said to me, only take what you need. Eat, sleep, dream, repeat. Eat, sleep, dream. Hanging out 
with suits in private booths. Talking about pursuits from my youth. Reminded me of when my mother used to share some truths. What's the company you keep in the puffy truths? But we're admiring a view from a canopy. So much smoke in the air, how can I breathe? If there's a price to pay, the mother is the casualty. I buy it back, but the dollar is an enemy. And we already at war. Bombs drop while we're drilling for oil. Spilling in the seas, and what we see, we ignore. Species disappear, yeah, we kill her for more. Cause mass consumption means we gon' lose a few more. There's no assumption. She dying slow, and we are the cause. Raping her for her riches is something we can't afford. So get up from your screen if you have a solution. All this noise is causing mass confusion. Wish I listened to my mother. Uh. Counting friends like counting stars Counting miles on fancy cars You know I think I broke her heart Lord knows I didn't want I wish I listened to my mother Ain't got no excuse Ain't you read the morning news Guess she's done with the abuse I wish I listened to my mother My mother said to me Only I think there was a moment when I I had that thinking, we're going to win, the climate movement is going to win this coming election. And that was the moment when the artists step in, as they did with lots of things, in, especially in social media, of course, uh, with humor and, and a whole different approach. That's when you realize that, oh, this is going to go big. And that happened, I think, around November, December, like three months, four months before the election. Certainly, there's a, an, an immense power when artists and also people with the experience in, in PR and, and advertising can step in and spread the message and get it out of these circles that the climate movement typically talks within. Jenny? Um, yeah, you, you just made me think of when we engaged in disobedience. That was just one of the most fun things I've ever done in my life. You know, we, we got out the old BG songs and we, we danced all around the CBD of Geelong and it was an absolute hoot and people joined in and it was just, it was great. And I, I want to do more disobedience. But I want to also, you know, reflect on Bill McKibben said in his newsletter that uh, apparently there was some key executive in a huge bank. I think it's called HSBC, and he was explaining why the bank is continuing to to fund fossil fuel industry. Quote, who cares if Miami is six meters underwater in a hundred years? Mm. You know, and oh, well. that, is, that is the attitude of people working with the money who, who really have the power to change things, but they are like, yeah, climate change is going to hit someone in a hundred years. So who cares? Well, the obvious answer to that, Mick, is to point to sandstorms in Saudi Arabia and heat waves in India and bushfires in California and Australia and flooding elsewhere. I mean, it, it's here now. It's not just sea level rising. Mm -hmm. It's climate change and essentially the climate affects everybody. Yeah, and that, that gentleman will be held to account for saying that as well mm. yeah one thing i think with that though is actually refreshingly honest for for him to say that it's good when you can actually see these people for who they are you know they they hide behind press releases and you know they're made to look really intelligent and oh we should listen to them because they know what they're doing when really just below the surface it's all about making as much money as the world burns so that you're not the one with, you know, coals at embers at, at your feet. It's somewhat it's somebody else's problem. And community can has so much power that they don't realize they have. Uh, that's part of our reason for having an exhibition to try and bring community in into here to say, you have agency to, to make an impact and we can help you on that journey, uh, just explore what's around you and, and get involved. The crisis affects, climate crisis affects everybody. So it's up to all of us to work together to solve it. And I think to the, to the I guess, short-term thinking that you brought up and politicians, because our politicians, especially here in Australia, they're not really, they, you could see how they respond, I guess, to the populist to the popular opinion and while the opinion 
of what they think is majority of the country supports a certain point of view, whether it's right or wrong, or whether it's just their perception, they try to shape their politics and their messaging around this. And we saw it so well in the past four years, how the angle and the priority kept changing. It was this kind of very kind of snaky, turny-turvy road where here's coal and here's no more coal. And I think it's important for the community to be really clear around what their priorities. And I think that's why we saw this massive shift in the current elections, because finally those communications, those important points cut through, and it was clear to the, to the politicians as well what is the primary concern of people of Australia. And because they do respond to what will keep them for the next four years in term, this is why they need to shape their politics accordingly. But obviously, they will try and make their way around it. So, yes. Exactly. Yes. And, and we had uh, David Spears, uh, we quoted him last week, uh, the analysis that he gave on the election night as it was rounding out. He said this was an uprise from local communities. And I think it really highlighted the fact, as you said, Andrew, that local communities can change the steamroller that is the big parties. And getting back to the um, opportunity, if you like, to uh, reduce the power of the oil companies by saying to them, stopping them from funding political parties. There is absolutely no way that the political parties in government will bring that in because it's a, it's a bit like saying we don't want any money from you, we don't want any wages. But it can only happen if there is a groundswell like what happened last week at the election and the people obviously and clearly send that message to them that we don't want you to be corrupted by the money coming from oil companies. And we've got to keep on pushing that point until they get to hear it. Absolutely, yeah. The, the Australian public overwhelmingly voted climate in this election. Mm. It was very a very good result, but that only meant that now the real work begins. Uh, there's one obstacle moved to the side, but there's so much that needs to be done this decade that the, the pressure has got to stay on, that let's get moving uh, because... The results, we don't want to see the results because we're ex experiencing them now and they're going to get much worse. We've got to save what we can and do, you know, look after this planet that has nurtured us for, you know, our entire existence and now it's hurting. We, we've got to help it, help it out. Yeah. I mean, we, it doesn't get much higher than we had the United Nations Secretary General Antonio Guterres saying last week, at the launch of the State of the Global Climate Report from the uh, WMO, that's the World Meteorological Organization. And this report was full of evidence of what bad state we are in at the moment already. And he summed it down in just these four words that we began the hour with today. Time is running out. I will give you the bottom line. The global energy system is broken and bringing us ever closer to climate catastrophe. Fossil fuels are a dead end, environmentally and economically. The war in Ukraine and its immediate effects on energy prices is yet another wake-up call. The only sustainable future is a renewable one. We must end fossil fuel pollution and accelerate the renewable energy transition before we incinerate our only home. Time is running out. And he said that in the face of... They had done the, the calculations that we've already, last year, we saw hundreds of billions of dollars in economic loss due to the day-to-day -day climate change that's happening, which is extreme weather events. Hundreds of billions of dollars lost. Yeah. And it doesn't seem to affect the, uh, the global big business outlook because they've put insurances in place that they will still make money so we've got to well people like you matt have got to disrupt that complacency 
Yeah, and, well, uh, I think it does. And one thing that comes very apparent when you start working, operating in this space is that your money has a lot of influence. Where your money is, where you bank your money, where your superannuation is, is kept, where you spend your money, if you sh- point that in the direction in, of sustainable, regenerative industries, then you're taking, that's how you can take the power away as a community from the fossil fuel industry when they don't have access to your investment of, you know, of people are kind of, when they look at their superannuation, they feel, oh, I need, need to have the highest returns, the best interest. But really, if your money is funding the fossil fuel industry, um, you should have second thoughts about whether that interest rate you're getting works for you when it's destroying the planet at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. And I think ultimately, as sad as it is, this crisis all comes down to economics because if it was profitable for people to fund the research and change the industries in the short term, we would have probably been in a, I guess, carbon, carbon negative world these days. But because it's more profitable in the short term to do business as usual, there's not enough investment. It's more comfortable. It's easy. The road is paved. You don't take any risks. But you can see that this momentum is changing now. Even with solar, uh, there was, I believe, one, I guess, carbon negative day in South Australia um, because there was so much solar that was no, I guess, power generation through fossil fuels was required. And we know that it's possible. We just need to, I guess, make more people become long-term thinkers. And that's one of the challenges. Do not think tomorrow. Do not think four years. Think 10 years. Think 20 years. And economically, it makes total sense, but it's hard. (laughs) And that's the momentum that needs to change. Exactly. It appears to me that we are at a point, uh, maybe a, a tipping point. This election hopefully was that tipping point where we in the Sustainable Hour, who have been ending this podcast, uh, I think hundreds and hundreds of shows by now, uh, for years we've been always ending with saying, be the difference, because we wanted people to step up and become first movers and be those who who had the guts to make the difference. But we are entering a new age now where being the difference is not really key. What's more important is actually that you join the mainstream of people out there who are already doing all these things that we have talked about in this hour today. So we have something to think about, Colin and Tony. Uh, we need a new uh, way to end the hour. It's more, it's more about joining uh, that difference uh, and becoming part of a, a bigger movement uh, where we are together about what we do, isn't mm. it? I was yes. thinking, live the difference while you were saying that. You know, it's, it's it, basically we need to change our lifestyle and, and keep the climate and uh, action to improve the climate front of every decision that we make. Mm. Yeah. And in the process, we uh, create communities. Exactly. So uh, thank you very much to Andrew and Matt and Jenny for a very inspirational hour. And uh, what we need to do, folks, is we got to live the difference. <laughs> live the difference. I believe we all came to be here for a reason. To acknowledge the seniors, everything has a season. This season is warm, but it's bringing a storm and a burning urge for our journey to transform. But held in our hand at this grave intersection is a map of the passage for a clearer direction to a permanent culture. It's time we began it with some wise design to realign with the planet, share skills to rebuild our combined reliance, and with wild guidance redesign our diet, befriend energy descent and the changing climate. To grow forests of food and a finer environment Permaculture at this tumultuous juncture Is a superstructure that can plug the puncture In a society of anxiety, confusion and greed This really may be one solution we need To bring back our elements
elementary essence of ethics And walk in earth care, people care, fair share epic Now's the time to embed it, while the temperature's tepid Let us rise as a choir beside the people who get it To guarantee that our future generation's lives Are provided the conditions they require to thrive Instead of being deprived of the tools to survive In a biosphere too defiled to revive So we invite you now to amplify the synergy Devise an inspired, distinctive soliloquy Combining with like minds an adaptable symphony Of radical simplicity, balance and symmetry Whatever your ability, we need your assistance In aid of reclaiming a stable existence Go summon your gift at this critical hour And deliver wherever they move and empower Collective. This show is produced by Hear Media, a boutique audio agency in Narm, Melbourne. To learn more and get in touch, head to hearmedia.studio. That's H E R E media.studio.